Well, at least your life isn't as shitty as Riker's in frame of mind. Listen, he had great emo hair in this episode. Oh, no, he did. It was great. You know, he, he really – everybody talks about the technologies that uh, Star Trek, you know, predicts, like the communicator, the, uh, you know – Transporter. Warp drive. Yes, all of these phasers. things. But really what, what, what Star Trek pioneered was the emo haircut. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this episode is directly responsible for uh, Fevers and Mirrors by Bright Eyes. Well, I think that, yeah, well, I think that's true. And I think that one of the things that's interesting about Frame of Mind is uh, that it has no B-plot. It's very, very plot-heavy. I don't really think that there... I mean, we've said this before, and then we talk for 45 minutes or whatever the hell we do. But I I feel like Frame of Mind is uh, interesting on a plot level, and it's sort of interesting for reasons that are outside of the episode. It's another Brian and Braga episode. Yeah, and and this is actually not a body horror episode. Well, no, but it's kind... I mean, it's not body horror, but it's mind horror, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Riker, of course, thinks he's going insane. Which he is. But what I think one of the things that is really interesting about Frame of Mind is that it doesn't telegraph anything that it's doing. Mm-hmm. We like the audience is in this with Riker. We don't know what's going on, and Riker doesn't know what's going on. And I kind of appreciate that. Well, they started it off right away with being, uh, you know, with this interrogation. Which now, obviously, you know, I recognize uh, Brain Spiner's voice by now. Sure, but, you know, so you know it's Data doing that. But at that point, they're not showing him. So, what is this lore? Is Data possessed? You know, what's going on? And you know, if you've read the Netflix description like I did, okay, Riker, you know, is not sure between reality. So they're bringing us in the middle of this, and he's there, and it's this total fake out because it's just another one of Crusher's plays. And right. I love that Crusher just writes terrible plays. The whole time. Well, then, is it? Did she write it? I don't know. Like, it, it, it's ambiguous, but because at one point he says, like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm in frame of mind, and they're like, "Oh, Crusher's play," you know. So because it's, I kind, right. I kind of feel like Crusher might want to do some more work if she's has time to write plays. Anyway, you know something. Well, the play just kind of ends apparently. So yeah, uh, the play does not have a very good ending, and also I think that nobody in the future watches television because if you remember back from the Neutral Zone way back in the first season, Data says that that form of entertainment did not last much past the mid 21st century. Hmm. So we have that to look forward to, the end of television. The end of television. But what are the Game of Thrones fans going to do? They're going to cry. What are we going to do, Eric? We run a TV podcast. We're going to cry. Okay. Um, we already do cry. I did not cry at this episode, actually, though, because I really liked this one. Well, okay. Let, let's and, let's talk about Brian and Braga. Because, yeah. because you... I'm growing to... He's actually becoming slowly one of my favorite uh, next-gen writers. Like, again, I've, I've said this before. Anytime... I am watching a Brandon Braga episode. I know there's going to be a mystery. I know there's going to be a couple of twists that I won't see coming. Like, I would not be able to predict exactly how this episode was gone. It's very serviceable plot-wise. You know, if things don't 100% make sense at the end, it's, you know, exciting enough that I don't question it till you know, the next day when we're recording the episode. Sure. You know? So, um... You know, again, I go in and I, you know, when I see written by Brandon Bragg, I say, okay, well, at least I'll be entertained for the next hour. No matter what's going to be here, whether it's a good or a bad episode, it'll be good. Yeah, I I agree with all of that. And I think that, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past, but maybe this is a good opportunity to sort of like bring it all full circle that, you know, Brandon Braga gets a, a, a bad rap, I think, um, or a bad rap, not a bad rap, right? Bad rap. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> anyway, he has a bad rat. 
bad rat. There you go. Um, he was also quite a, a comely man uh, in his youth. I'll just say that. Really? Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, oh. A little, you know. <laughs> um, but he's not really that attractive now. But he's also, you know, 25 years older. Um, he has an age role. Uh, so anyway. Like, um, like any of us have? That is true. I mean, I'm not looking great. You're not looking great. No one looks Hey, great. I look perfectly fine. I'm sorry. I just call it like I see it. Uh, Brandon Bragg, if you're listening to this, um, I would still have sex with you. And please come on our podcast. Uh, so yeah, and I on think Eric's face. <laughs> I think that I would not be averse to that. I think that one of the things that that's most aggravating about the way that people see Brian and Bragan now is it, it, there's an assumption that he with Rick Berman kind of presided over the downfall of the Star Trek franchise, which. I think is correct and not correct. And it's certainly something that we will talk about when we get to Star Trek Voyager and, 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 and Star Trek Enterprise. But whatever you think about Brandon Bragg's later work, whatever you think about his work as a showrunner, uh, you know, there was a reason why he got hired to write as a staff writer on The Next Generation. Yeah. You know, he is really good at writing a certain type of story. And... This is something that I think the next generation needs from time yeah. to time is and we'll talk about this with suspicions too, because I think that the sixth season in general is sort of getting very experimental in its form. Yeah, I would say like I'm actually really liking the back half of this season because, you know, even if an episode fails, it fails in a very unusual way. Like they really have gone through all the obvious ideas and they've done so much that, you know, well, you know, what? let's do a weird episode where Riker thinks he's going crazy. Like that couldn't have flown in the third season because you were right. still kind of establishing stuff, you know, and setting the tone. Now it's, you know, this, as I've said before, you know, if they, you know, didn't necessarily know they only had one season, they figured, okay, we got two, but not three. You right. Know? So they're kind of, again, whenever there's a Bragg episode, he takes a character and, Puts them in a way that we usually don't see them. We've never seen Riker this flustered and out of sorts before. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I think there's a couple things there. Number one, of course, is that, uh, you know, Brandon Braga is doing a fine job. I think that he's he's writing interesting scripts for, for the show. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it maybe it becomes diminishing returns later on down the line. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But uh, for, for, for his part for The Next Generation, I think he's he's doing a great job, and I like his episodes. Uh, they're not all as successful as others. I mean, certainly Identity Crisis, for example, was not one of the finer yeah. ones. But he does a pretty good job. Uh, the other thing I think that's interesting is that I think what you're kind of picking up on, especially with... I guess the experimentation that the the back half of the sixth season is doing is that this is something I think that Michael Piller brought up when they talked about doing two-parters. And so they've been doing yeah. a lot more two-parters or doing a lot more sort of experimental episodes. Um, this is really like a one-person play in a certain sense. Yeah. Uh, that the show, I think, is... Uh, feel, the, the people that work on the show and the show itself are feeling more confident. You know, they that we talked a while ago about how this is Star Trek now. You know, they had said goodbye to the original series crew a couple years ago with the, with, with the undiscovered country. Yeah, you know, they, and relics they, was especially the you know kind of ceremonial passing the torch. Yeah, exactly. You and know, after so, relics, there is no you know original series is done. Right, exactly, and so. I think that they're they're feeling very confident and they're feeling very confident in a way which allows them to try certain things. And I think that, you know, what you can say about the sixth season so far is that 
there have been some pretty there have been episodes that have failed but i don't think there have been like uh any flat out terrible ones except for maybe times arrow part two and that's i liked that one okay but I think when I wasn't it, bored during Times Arrow too. Okay. Let's let's leave it at that. Well, yeah. Well, if you want to know about what we think about Times Arrow Part Two, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, so I think that the show is 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 failing in interesting ways, even when it's not, yeah. you know, being like a good episode. And in I season think, one, when it was failing, it was not interesting. To watch oh God, yeah. I mean, I I watched uh, too short a season last night, and wow, which that, one was that? That was the one with the old guy who shows up and gets young, and it's just it it was astoundingly bad. Oh, what was um, the one where randomly there were the two species and one ate the other at the end, and it was like this big joke, and like no one seemed to realize how fucked up. It lonely was. Among Us. Oh God, yeah. Hey, let's not talk about that. Um, to find out how we feel about the first season. Well, they're there. You can listen to them. So Frame of Mind, I think, is interesting because I have a question for you about Frame of Mind. Why Riker? Why not Riker? Well, I mean, let's think about this question. Um, so, again, I, I think that kind of, for me, it added to the... Because I once w- wouldn't say this was a you know very scary episode. I mean, it was a very disconcerting episode. This episode, uh, another thing, Braga makes you feel very disconcerted and very off. And, yeah, and very you know we t- you know we talk about stakes from time to time. The stakes always feel very high, and everything start but everything starts very small again from the beginning of the episode. He just feels a little off. You know, he's not really. You know, in the first couple scenes, he just feels almost like it looks like he's just a little itchy. And that's, you know, but it's nothing really happening. Right. Until then, you know, reality starts shifting between, you know, this hospital and the Enterprise. And and again, it's never clear which is real, what's happening. And Well, and frankly, I think that, you know, I want to get back to the record question, but I think that. One of the one of the smart things that the episode does and one of the most effective things it does, I think, is 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 we don't know what parts of the episode actually happen and what parts don't. I mean, there's the, you know, I, I would say that, you know, the very beginning of the episode may not even have been I get real. The, I think until the scene where I, I actually get the sense that until he pulls the thing out, you know, in the, in the end, right. Everything has been some kind of hallucination. Right. And so I think that that's really intriguing because mm-hmm. It, it kind of gets into the head of Riker, shows us what he thinks of these people in a, in a very subjective way, which is something we don't get to see that much. I think it's interesting what characters appear a lot and what characters don't. I mean, we don't yeah. see a lot of Picard in this episode, for instance. Uh, but but we, then there's the scene. Well, we'll talk about the therapy scene in a second. But yeah, but, you know, and I think that, you know, we see we don't really see much of, of Troy either. I mean, we see a little bit, but not that much, which I think is interesting. Yeah, again. And yeah. I, you know, so I think that Crusher is kind of the main Crusher and, and Data are kind of the main players in this episode, along with Riker. And so that's kind of interesting. I don't know if that means anything, but it, it's just kind of an interesting point, I think. Well, you say why Riker? And I think the I think it is as simple as, yeah, he again, Riker in any situation knows what he's doing. And the last time we so schisms, even though he was being menaced by these aliens, he was having these weird dreams. When he goes in and he's, you know, all right, I'm going to go through and I'm going to figure it out. Uh, you know, he's certainly, you know, apprehensive, but, you know, he's still in his element. Riker, Riker's a badass. He knows he's going to save the day. He knows he's going to figure it out. You know, he knows he's got a good team behind us, him, and he has his. Here's one where he has no idea what's going on. And the fact that he's 
doesn't have a grip on reality at this point. Again, he's usually the most grounded character, so if even he isn't able to piece this together quite yet, that gives the audience no firm ground to stand on. Again, we have there is no firm ground in this episode. Again, at the end, it's revealed that it's entirely an illusion. Yeah, I think grounded is a good way to put it, and I think that the other part of that is that Riker is perhaps the most confident person on the ship yeah. and so those two things together i think answer the question why Riker? you know you could have done this episode with anybody now partly it has to do with well troy got an episode and picard's had a couple yeah. episodes and jordy got an episode you know so there's that kind of thing going on i mean we could have but, done this episode with picard we had one that was similar with picard right that's why i think they don't do it with picard because we've uh-huh. seen that before we don't need to see it again yeah. and i think that you know one of the things that w- about riker as a character is that he kind of we, we've talked about this in the past but he's kind of gotten short shrift in the past couple yeah. years you know he has kind of been there but not really the focal point of any episode and so i, I like the fact that they pick riker to do this because it does kind of remind us of what kind of person he is and exactly what he would look like if he was uncontrolled and sort of unhinged. Yeah, and I mean, I I think especially most of the other characters, their arcs have been about building them up in a lot of ways. Like, again, we've seen, you know, Troy going from getting command and then, you know, face of the enemy and stuff, and she is, you know, we see Dr. Crusher learning some skills outside of her own job. We see Jordy getting more confidence socially and... Data's getting more confident in his humanity. You know, all of the characters, we've seen them grow and develop and, you know, mature as people. And, you know, putting them into this episode would, in a way, shift their reality back a bit to and would feel like kind of a couple steps back. Because Riker's already at that position, you know, it's okay to take him back a bit and see what he's like when he's stripped down. Because we haven't really seen him like when he's been stripped away of everything comfortable. And... The way he, you know, even without that, managed to, to figure it out and managed to, to draw on that and managed to, at the end, heal is very inter- is very interesting. Yeah, I think so. And I think that, you know, you can really see that most clearly, I think, in the therapy scene. Oh, yeah. You know, because – and that scene is, is really – I think it's hard to watch. Mm. Uh it's 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 a very well it's i mean it's another one of Braga's set pieces they have two in this. Yeah. we have the play and we have that scene and i love the way they're both constructed and i especially love the way the play you know recurs right but anyway well i think that well you can compare and contrast those i think because it, you know the the play scene with data and and riker really is just a monologue riker is talking at the audience in that and and what you can contrast with the with the therapy scene is that riker is is, is kind of being talked to right yeah. and so in in the one sense but he's also talking in a way because he's using the persona of you know Troy to exactly. represent himself which is a very interesting choice right and so there's a lot of different i mean there's a lot of layers here and i think that you know the very beginning of the episode when Riker is kind of giving his speech and you know it's it's He's in control, and he's not, of course. He's in control because he is giving the speech, and he is kind of talking at the audience, or well, not the audience, but Riker or uh, uh, Beverly and, and Data. No. Uh, you know, Data is there, and he's sort of incidental, but he's just there to kind of drive the monologue. But at the same time, Riker is playing a character who is in a mental hospital and is insane. So and there's who ends up staying in the mental hospital, right. and who's you know the this I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy doesn't come out as triumphant. It comes out as well. You know, who cares? You're still going to be in here forever, and if we don't break you down now, we will, you know, break you down in a week. You know, it goes back to f- I see five lights, you it, know? Right, exactly. If he's not going to 
say he sees five lights this week, if he's not going to say he's crazy this week, you know, there's next week. There's the week after that. There's the week after that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, you know, the the therapy scene where we're sort of, you know, what is it? Uh, da- is it Data or is it? It's Troy represents his emotion. Picard is his uh, like action side, yeah. I think. Uh, 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 Worf. Data is his sensory. Uh... No, it's Worf, isn't it? I thought it was Picard. Worf, yeah, because I remember thinking Worf would have made more sense, but then it was Picard. No, wasn't Worf in that scene? Maybe he was in that scene, being these, being something else. Yes, because he was like, it's cold. I, I went into the cold. I don't remember. I, don't I didn't remember write either. notes. Well, that's actually a very bad point because I really liked watching the scene, and now I find the next day I don't have a very clear memory of it. So that's very interesting, and you don't either. No, maybe that's the point, though. I mean, is it, does it really matter? I mean, it does and it doesn't. I mean, if we want to go and be all Jungian and say, well, well, why does Troy represent the emotions? I mean, that's ob- that particular one is obvious. Right. But, you know, I mean, we could analyze the significance of all the people. I really don't want to do that. Well, I mean, I don't think that there's – we could do that. And I, but I don't think that that would be very fruitful, mm. you know, because I don't think that Brandon Braga – I mean – you can say a lot about Brandon Braga. I don't think he's a deep thinker. And so no. I think as far as that scene went, it was a way to uh, kind of convince Riker that he was actually not in the situation he thought he was in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was a way to break him down and get him to a point in the plot where the character was able to break out of that. I mean, that was kind of what the purpose of that scene yeah. was, you know, and, and certainly it is disturbing to see Troy and Picard kind of talk at, Riker and tell him things about himself that mm-hmm. he may or may not want to hear, especially I think Troy and, and and Picard. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a parlor trick, you know. It, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter that much, and so. But again, it's it's the typical escalating set piece where you start off with you know, again you have Troy and you know they're saying you know the basics about how he's feeling about this, and then the situation is getting more intense, and then you have this administrator character who's been this threatening threatening presence through the whole episode and he appears and he's not saying anything and he doesn't know even what he's representing and all of that and it gets a very sinister uh, 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 feeling and if you know if you say well maybe it's not thematically deep maybe it's not the most literary that sinister feeling I mean it knocked that out of the park at least yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to denigrate the episode for being yeah. something that it wasn't trying to be. You know, I think that, the, you know, what what the episode is trying to do is 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 make this a very, you know, sinister, a very sort of... Um, a paranoid, weird, unsettling story. Exactly. Yeah. And it succeeds. It does that very yeah. well. You know, and I, I think that, you know, especially when you get towards the end and Riker sort of has these things and he's yelling and he's sort of like breaking the people apart yeah. with the weird computer graphics and, you know... And I mean, everything looked cool, especially the set design. And he, as, as 90s as those scenes were, I liked the look of it. I mean, sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that, you know the 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 way that the lighting is used you know they're doing a lot of interesting things with the lighting i think yeah. this season two where they're sort of bringing things down and you know the 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 10 forward is lit very interestingly when they're doing the play and the sort of um the light in the in the cell is is kind of interesting uh and also just the fact that it keeps shifting back and forth and we're not really sure where we are and what's real yeah. i mean there, i think the the I, even more so than the therapy scene as a set piece i think that scene where Crusher shows up in the mess oh, hall. Oh, I loved that scene. What, yeah, because at first, I mean, do you think, okay, oh, this is actually Crusher, and they're actually like, yeah, because when she's saying like this is what's happening, you know, at that point, you 
again, you're not really sure of the relationship between these two. Is he being kidnapped? We've seen recently, you know, Riker being kidnapped by aliens in the middle of the night. So is right. that what's happening to him? You know, when Crusher comes in, you know, then you think, okay, well, this is what's happening. The hospital is real, but he gets, you know, flashes about, you know, his pa- the past few days and, you know, but – Again, it turns out that neither of those are real, you know. Well, because it's like layer upon layer because yeah. the first time he goes to the mess hall, you've got the alien who says that she's a, a, a Starfleet yeah. and Starfleet and she, she has a spoon she's talking to. Obviously oh, and crazy. And then, of course, 20 minutes later, you actually have Crusher, who's a character we know, yeah, coming in and saying, oh, you're actually blah, blah, blah. We're going to rescue you tonight. You know, and there's, there's the thing where it's like, you know, she's saying, oh, well, I'm pretending to be a medical administrator, but... You know, she's just waltzing into the place, talking to a patient and waltzing. Like, that That seemed very weird. You know, would that, re- you know, would she- Would that actually happen? Yeah, would she be under more, you know, there there is the, you know, nobody seems to recognize or acknowledge if Riker is human or not. Like, they don't seem to know, you know, if, if Crusher is that, because that was a thing when Crusher's in there, you know, she's not, she's human and no one else is, you know, do they right. recognize that? Is that a clue? Is that not a clue? I mean, it's. It's left so ambiguous that... Yeah, that's right. And I think that all kind of... What that all kind of boils up to is... Yeah. uh, uh, The episode and the script really trying to sell the idea that everything is not what it appears. Well, I like that. Yeah, it makes you ask... Ask a lot of questions. And a lot of them are not quite the right questions that you should be asking, which even kind of hides... Again, the twist is hidden in plain sight. I want to actually rewatch this episode and... You know, knowing what it is and seeing, you know, how they clue that. But it's in plain sight the entire time. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, you see this, this cut on his face. What is that meaning? You know, uh, you know, again, it's a bunch of little things that don't add up until the end when they do add up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, Brian and Braga has written episodes in the past that perhaps did not add up exactly. But yeah. this one, I think, does. You know, yeah. I, I think that everything kind of there's a lot of clues that are sprinkled throughout the episode and they're all sort of resolved at the end. And I don't think there's any loose you know, loose questions as, as well. And then you get this great set scene of he's just striking the set and that's his therapy. Yeah. And I liked that because it's, yeah. kind of, that's Riker taking control back again. Yeah. That, and that's, that is a very Riker move. You know, Picard is going to need to talk to Troy in his quarters alone afterwards and, you know, get everything out and figure out. But Riker's just gonna, you know, tearing down the set is, is enough. You know, if he wants to destroy this, you know, terror in his mind, that's There's a really do. easy way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, all right. Well, I will give this episode seven hospital administrators. I want to give it nine. Okay. Because it's a big hospital and there's a lot of different. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about suspicions. Now, this episode was good. Oh, I love this oh episode. Oh, my God. This is kind of like, it's also a good, it's, this has been a good season for the female characters. Yeah. This is, Crusher has been awesome in this episode. I think it's nice that Crusher finally gets an episode. Yeah. She's never had one before. And it's not about, you know, her having a boyfriend. She's had episodes. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, They're doing interesting things with Crusher in the past couple years. And I don't know if it's because... Gates McFadden is kind of letting more of her own personality seep yeah. into the role. I, you know, who knows? But I think this episode is a really strong example of what you can do with a character when you allow sort of different character beats to come out. You know, yeah. because 
Crusher has always been a character which has been portrayed as very single-minded, doesn't like mysteries. You know, she's a doctor. You know, she she likes figuring things out and, and kind of fixing things. Yeah. And this is not her being a doctor, but it makes sense that she would want to do this, I think. Yeah, it's a, it is a mystery, but it's one which hits her interests and skills. Again, a lot of it seemingly you know has to do with pathology and this autopsy and all of that and that would be right up her alley i also think it's interesting that again we don't really see guinan in crusher very much we also yeah we've seen guinan in picard's quarters but we really don't ever see her outside of ten forward very much not very much no i mean a couple scenes but but not too much so the fact also this is an episode i mean guinan hasn't been in the season much i mean i think this is her first episode since rascals right Probably, yeah. Yeah, so I think that that's also kind of nice that, uh, you know, and again, I mean, you know, we can talk about Guinan and is she interesting, but I like I mean, Guinan. She's, yeah, she's great. she's great to watch, you know. I like the structure of this episode, which is very, un- again, it's, you know, it's, talk about experimental, you know, to have this told as a story. And- well, that I think I want to, that's interesting to me because, you know, we've talked about how the show is getting more experimental in its form, and I don't think it's done this type of episode no, before. No, I don't. Uh, also, this isn't exactly the kind of sort of like uh, in media race kind of stuff that became very popular in television in like the first decade of this century. But do you remember like TV shows? It seemed like every single TV show on in the past 10 years had to do one episode where you start off here and then it goes 24 hours earlier. Yeah. You know? And it got to be kind or, of a cliche. What the hell happened? Well, let me tell you. Last night I was. Um, right. Yeah. And it definitely became a cliche. And I don't see shows doing it as much anymore. But. I think that this may have been an early example of a show doing that. And I think it works really well. I like that. There's yeah. a, there's a, I guess, you know, you always wonder why is a TV show doing this? And I think in this episode, why they're doing it is so that the outcome is not in question in a way. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Well, the second they mention, you know, again, you, very, you know, the, the, the teaser, the cold open ends with her saying, you know, I've been disbarred, you know, I have to go to a hearing, you know, and you're thinking, Dr. Crusher, what the hell could Dr. Crusher possibly do? And she's telling this story that's, you know, fairly innocuous and, you know, it's, you know, technology and, you know, so the entire time you're wondering, well, what did she do that was wrong? Right. What what kind of a breach of ethics? I don't see anything medical in the end. The second that, you know, Picard mentions, you know, well, the families, you know, opposing the autopsy, that's it. Then then you know, but then there's another good 10, 15 minutes before they explain why she decided to go against orders, you know, and what exactly she did. And then you're thinking, well, and what they do with it, that it's a useless autopsy is very – is much more interesting than they could have – than anything else they could have done, I think. Yeah, I think that's actually a really interesting choice for the episode yeah. because it kind of paints – you know, you know where this is going, right? You know, the very uh, very beginning of the episode, as you said, tells yeah. you that she is kind of relieved of duty and she has to go for a hearing. And so we know that. And so, you're right, when you get to that part in the episode, you yeah. know what she's going to do. But what's interesting about it is that this, it's pointless. There's no yeah. reason to do it. And then the episode... It's epi- a bad call on her end, yeah. It's a bad call on her end. And then the episode kind of switches because we kind of catch up to that's, where yeah that then it's in the present now. that's the other interesting thing about the episode is that some of it's in the past and then some of it is in the future in a way well that's what in Res is right <laughs> i understand that. um i'm just letting our listeners know in case they don't know oh but many of our listeners are stupid 
That's not true. They're dumb. That's not true either. In media res, I don't even know her. What do you think of, I guess the reason for why Crusher's doing all of this seems a little weird to me. What do you mean exactly? I mean, I, I would say like it's, this seems more like a kind of thing that would be Jordy's gig. Yeah, like I don't just based on yeah, just based on the exact kind of tech it is. If it was a medical technology, right? That's my question: is why is she so invested in this metaphasic shielding? Like I, that, you know that that's the one. I mean, I kind of okay. That's it. It has to be something, and then we have to get yeah, into the of episode. Course. Uh, and I'm not criticizing. And I like this episode with Crusher more than I would have with Jordy. Oh say. yeah, I think <laughs> that. The, I mean, it would have been fine with Jordy, but I think with Crusher, it comes to a different level entirely. Yeah. Um, that, and I guess also it needs to be Crusher because of the way it's constructed. But anyway, medical questions and these kind of things. But yeah, I don't necessarily know why she would be so invested in this metaphasic shielding. I mean, maybe she just likes the scientist. I mean, I, that's I given the, that's the implication. You know, she goes to this and he gives a really exciting talk. You know, sometimes you go and see a lecture and you find it very inspiring. You know, it could just be a kind of thing that, you know, you you get the sense she almost you know went in as hey something that you know is supposedly impossible and a Ferengi scientist like my curiosity, you know. We, you know, we know Dr. Crusher's curious. It could have just been, hey, this will be a fun way to spend the afternoon and, again, gets caught up in it. Uh, that's kind of the sense that I got of it. That could certainly be. But, you know, I mean, and then once, you know, the once it's in motion, you know, then it's the mystery itself which begins to kind of take its own. You know, it, she, you know she's going less because she, at that point she cares about the metaphysical shielding and more because, you know. Metaphysical she, shielding? Two people died. Uh, well, yes, but I think that, well, actually, no, only one person died. Well, thanks for spoiling the twist for everybody. Listen, if you don't watch the episode before you listen to our podcast, you're I don't know dumb how you get and anything stupid. Out of this. Like I said, our Will, listeners are stupid. Don't say that. I mean, I'll just say this flat out. I like locked room mysteries, yeah. and that's exactly what this is. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got the four characters all on the bridge and the one guy on the ship that dies. How You know, where everybody was on the bridge at the time, so what happened? You know, it's it's that kind of thing, and you're kind of having to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, and I like the fact that it, it it's a little bit of a cheat. I think that the guy at the end yeah. isn't actually dead, but... They do telegraph it in some ways with the slow rate of cellular decay. Okay, whatever. You know, that that's information that appears for a reason and why that's there. We don't know, but it turns out that he's not actually dead. All I mean, right. it reminds me a bit of the shapeshifter was the dog the whole time. Like, it's the, you know, they had to pick the person we at least expected. And yes, it's a mystery, but you know something? When he came out holding the gun in the ship, I was surprised. So, oh, sure. You know, that that's... It had the right effect. <laughs> well, let's let's take a step back though, and let's talk about these different scientists because I do think that they're they're kind of intriguing characters. Yeah. So you know we've talked about Doctor Crusher. We know who she is. Uh, you've got Doctor Rega, who's the Ferengi scientist, right? Um, and he's the first like good Ferengi. We say like he has no ulterior motives in this episode like he's genuinely just invented this thing and it works and he wants he wants credit i mean he wants help developing it yeah well that's what i like about it is you know star trek does have this tendency to make each person from a species like the same because each you know everyone in that species acts Mm -hmm. the same you know which is patently nonsense but 
what I like about this episode is that it does kind of go away from that and you get the idea, okay, oh, there's a Frankie scientist and he's not interested in money. Um, but I mean, like, you get the sense that because he says, like, I need help developing it, you know, good. If the. Now, what, what's the guy that did it? Like, the murderer? I don't remember what his name is. I think it's like, oh, whatever. Anyway, if he had said, like, my government will pay you the most, we're going to develop it as a weapon, I don't think that the scientist would necessarily care because even though he's a Ferengi scientist, he's still a Ferengi scientist and he would go to whoever gave him the most money to research this, you know? Well, I think, but I think. But, you know, they obviously, you know. But I think you're misreading him a little bit. I think the implication is that he's not like that. You know, I think hmm. he doesn't care about money and so he just just wants the he, you know they they say flat out in the episode that all he wants is the credit he well, just wants the credit but again i i know I, I guess the point that i'm making is it's if he said like you know if 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 that guy had said at the beginning like we'll develop this you know we want to use it to a weapon but we'll give you credit he probably wouldn't care that he they were using it as a weapon it's not like he'd say well we want this used for peace or what i don't know no i think you're wrong well, i don't think he would want it used as a weapon i mean he very clearly has developed it as shield technology i I don't i don't see that at all well fine i guess i'm i guess i'm as dumb as a listener yeah so i i think that you know he he's as interesting as a character as the episode needs to make him be yeah if you know what i mean uh the other couple of incidental characters are basically there just for color and to add some uh uh, suspects to the murder i mean the vulcan scientist is exactly what you think about a vulcan scientist her husband is a dick whatever yeah you know they don't seem to really be interested in anything and they're just there because they got a free ticket or something who knows you know something it's yeah they um and the, the i like the klingon scientist i like her too and i also like the fact that you they make the two species in the episode that are kind of the ones that would not like scientists the most uh and and kind of go oh yeah well let's have a couple of scientists from these species uh also it's just frankly it's a fantastic scene when dr crusher is interrogating her and yeah she she doesn't back down it's like man dr crusher badass klingon interrogator well i have to say like actually you know because we talked about action picard and this episode we have action crusher and I like seeing Action Crusher, by the way. But, um, you know, I, for a second I was like, oh, suddenly, you know, Dr. Crusher can disarm, you know, a fully grown alien. But a couple episodes ago she had black ops training. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's in- – I She had black ops training. She's – I think – wasn't she in Worf's weird Klingon, like, Tai Chi class Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So I like the idea that she actually – again, you – Way back in the first season, she, like, breaks in and with the phaser and you get rescues this, Riker. So she does, you know. Even if they aren't, um, you know, combat personnel, you know, again, I like that, you know – she has some self-defense. I mean, you her. would hope that she... she would. Yeah, but I mean, you also think that most doctors would, you know, just be worried about the doctoring. I mean, I think that that's the implication, but I think she can kind of kick ass when she needs to. Yeah. And I think also, frankly, I mean, not to be, I'm not, I don't think it's sexist to say this, but I think that, you know, it's not something that you would necessarily expect from her. And it's not because, yeah. it's not because she's a woman. I think if, if a man was the chief medical officer of the Enterprise, I don't think you would expect it from him either. Or like, because like, that's not the role that they're in. I right? would say you wouldn't picture like Jordy, you know, disarming a guy. Either, right, exactly. You know? So, right. you know, you just wonder like, what is she going to do? How is she going to get out of this one? He's got a phaser pointed right at her. Is he going to push something into the computer? No, she just knocks him over and, you know, pulls the phaser from him. And then, you know, when he's not stopping, she shoots him. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, that's pretty cold right there, you know. And I yeah. think that, 
what what that really indicates is that you know when Crusher has something that she's trying to prove, yeah, do not try and stop her. Well, because she's fighting for her life at that. point. She will, you know, kill you basically. Uh, although I do think it's not exactly great usability that to turn the phaser up, you have to look at it and like push some buttons while you're in a fight like that just seems you know bad. well i mean like you know cell phones today don't have buttons anymore if you have to make a call you have to look at the phone so that just seems bad to me i don't know you don't want to take your eyes off the guy you're trying to keep away from with your phaser you know? <laughs> uh i mean i think that you know at the end of the day what crusher does is not that bad and she definitely makes some mistakes which are also like she's not perfect right and the, the autopsy being a great example of that, you know, but I also like it's it's one of these episodes where it's it's like it's good to watch, but there's a lot of little moments in it that kind of add up to more than the sum of their parts. Yeah. And you kind of get a really 360 degree view of Crusher as a person. Yeah, because uh, there's also that nice scene with um, the nurse where she basically is like, no, I like you. I'm going to help you, even though you're no longer in you know the medical and it's nice to see the nurse because we've seen her for years you know she's been in a lot of scenes but we've only seen her you know having a helping out crusher kind of thing you know they've only been talking about oh doctor his blood pressure is going down you know so it's nice to see you know number one her doing something a little more and it's nice to really that scene gives a very clear picture of what their relationship is like because you know obviously over the you know she's crusher's right hand she may not be a real character but the two of them do have a very close working relationship and she is willing to you know go to bat for her boss she's willing to put her own crew yeah frankly for that which i think is really nice and i think that you know we started off this conversation talking about how this has been a good season for the female characters and i think that you know at the end of the day what we get in this episode is 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 a portrayal of a very strong, capable woman, you know, who's doing a job that she knows how to do perfectly, still making mistakes, yeah. but at the end of the day, doing the right thing. Well, and I like you know, that. she's not, she's a good, but as you said, you know, this is maybe not quite her area. You know, she, she knows everything she's doing on the operating table, but she doesn't really, you know, she's not a PI, you know? So, I mean, even the interrogating, she's not great at interrogating people. She pisses off everybody she's talking to, you right. know? You know, things like that. She ultimately does figure it out and does save the day. Uh, she stumbles a bit on the way, but in a way which feels true to who she is, though. Yeah, I think so. And and I think the nicer part of it is that she's doing this all for the memory of uh, yeah. someone that she didn't even really know. I mean, yeah. I think she respected him. And I think that she wants to prove that his work works, and she does. And all she says is, you know, she, she wants to make sure that that the Ferengi scientist gets the credit. Yeah. Which, at the end of the day, I think is is very, it's very sweet in a way, you know. Yeah. And it, it's it's very true, I think, to sort of the spirit of of Star Trek, yeah. in some sense. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Episode ended on a very nice note, then. Yeah, I don't think there's much else to say. Kind of a short episode this week, but you know, these are two sort of very just sort of plot dependent experimentally you know formed episodes that you know they're good this is another nine tennis racket episode i will give this episode eight okay well your score for this week is 15 and mine is 18 so i think i got higher points than you that's not how you score tennis oh well if you would like to share your thoughts about either of these episodes, please do so at the post for this episode at trekaboutshow.com. Follow us on Twitter at trekaboutshow. 
like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash show. And if you like the show and would like to make sure that we continue doing it for many years to come, leave <laughs> us a review on iTunes. Richard is very tired already. Next week, we are talking about rightful air and second chances. Ooh. We'll see you then.